Yes, another week closer to some proper football. This is the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. Hello, everyone. Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL Podcast. Yes, week one of the pre-season in the books. We're not going to spend too much time talking about it. What have we learned, really? We know that Tim Tebow can't block anybody. We know Justin Fields probably offers a little bit more hope in the uh, Chicago quarterback room than anybody else. But we'll let other podcasts probably overreact to what is essentially backups playing backups in NFL pre-season. We're going to carry on with our divisional previews. Let's welcome the boys in. Firstly, Josh, how are you doing, buddy? Yeah, not bad. Uh, only just finished watching uh, all of the said preseason action, so I'm glad that that was uh, research well spent. Yeah, it was a good in-depth review I gave there, wasn't it? Good in-depth review, mate. Yeah, that was. Um, to be fair, the the game in forty was probably designed for the preseason, in my opinion. Very very quickly get to, get to watch. Some of the plays, all joking aside, there is obviously an importance to them and it was missed massively last year. Um, I think particularly with the COVID rules that we've talked about, you may well find a few more of these guys battling for some of the roster spots we talked and, and sort of speculated about vaccinated versus unvaccinated. These games potentially could have huge implications. So if there is anything massively significant, we will touch on them. Maybe we'll see a bit more in week two, which I suppose technically is like week three used to be, which was always viewed as more of the... The, the real tune-up game, so we'll see what happens in terms of starters there. Final man in the huddle, Steve, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, this week is the week of the East, so that means we finally get to talk about my birds, and more importantly, Zach Ertz, who is still an eagle. The train rolls on. Indeed. I wonder if he's going to be a player to watch or one on the hot seat when we get to Philly. We'll get round to that, though. We will get round to that in due course, because we're going to do them in the order that they finished last year, same as we did with the two preview shows from last week. If you haven't caught them yet, please go and check them out. Both NFC and AFC North are in the podcast queue if you haven't already listened to them. But as Steve's alluded to, we're moving east this week. Let's start in the NFC where those Philadelphia Eagles do reside and they'll be looking to turn the tables because last year's finishing positions were Washington 7-9 and nine to win the division. We've talked about it often enough, but yes, a losing record won the division. The New York Giants 6-10, and 10, same as the Dallas Cowboys 6-10 and 10, and then the Eagles propping it up at 4-11 and that pesky one for a tie. Um, so Steve Washington got a lot of hype towards the back end of last season. They seem to sort of get it together in the back end. Um, what is the view on them during the off season 2021? So obviously the NFC East is a, is a constant uh, pain in everyone's side because no one ever seems to want to win it at the moment. Um, but I think going into this new season, Washington are probably one of two favorites to do so. Um, for the first time in what feels like forever, this Washington team, there's a lot to be quite confident about. You look at it, they've obviously that defense is is exceptional and and some would probably put it as one or two in the in the in the league. You know, their their front four on defense is scary, um, and they've got a really good uh, secondary as well. So that defense will win games by itself. But where they need to improve and where they need to get better is is on the offense. And 
I've I've said it before last season, and and they didn't do much to address it this off season. So I'll say it again: they I think they are a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender, because Ryan Fitzpatrick is not someone that if it was me, I'd be filled with hope about. You know, the guy's obviously got a long history in the game, and and he's you know he's had flashes of brilliance, which is what Fitzpatrick gives you. He's inconsistent, and he has flashes of brilliance. Now. Fitzpatrick's winning record over his career is uh, 4 or 4 so he's got a losing record for his entire career so that doesn't fill me with confidence that he's going to be the guy that's going to take Washington to the next level Um, and I think he's had a winning record in 2 of his uh, 14 or 13 starting seasons so you know you could argue that certainly he's not been surrounded by the best teams and he's always been the guy that's you know come in and spearheaded a team for one year and then has moved on and he's made a career out of that so fair play to him for that but I just he doesn't fill me with confidence as the guy that's going to take them forward and you look at what other teams in that situation did in the off season, you know, like Chicago, for example, they went and got him. They, they paid the price and they got their quarterback and that's their answer now, probably for the next 10 years. Washington, it just doesn't, if I'm a Washington fan, that's still the question that needs answering. And if they can address that next year, then great. Cause obviously Fitzpatrick's not a long-term answer, obviously. Um, but if they can, I would put them up, possibly atop a the tree of the NFC and they're certainly close to it if they can if they can address that position next year. Someone is buying high on Washington early. I personally think they're still a couple of years, maybe even three years away. Um, the defense is Super Bowl contender legitimate. The offense is pretty much the other way around. I don't I don't see too much in their offense. Like even looking past the quarterbacks, I actually quite rate Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, he's a plug-in-and-play guy. He'll get you near five hundred at least on his own. You know, I, I've seen him with terrible weapons be able to, and no scheme and no time to learn the scheme, and still be able to get you to near five hundred. So, but that is pretty much what I'm thinking of Washington this year anyway, because I just don't think the weapons are are of that grade. They're not there yet. Their defense will keep will keep them in games, of which means that there should be less to do from an offensive standpoint. But I do think that they need to spend probably a couple of of drafts and a couple of off seasons to get to where they need to. If we're talking about Super Bowl, there's a difference between playoff contender and Super Bowl contender. But you know, that's where I sit with that. Yeah, I think I think when it comes to Washington, what you probably rely on here is a couple of guys that weren't necessarily names going into last season having equally good campaigns this time around. And obviously we're in a wait and see stage with those. Antonio Gibson was excellent at the running back position, can he repeat? Logan Thomas sort of emerged as a bit of a weapon at tight end. Can he repeat? I think in terms of Terry McLaurin, I think he's proven in his couple of seasons that he has got the ability to be a legitimate number one Mm. um, wide receiver. Can he get enough support with the likes of Curtis Samuel um, and Adam Humphreys that have been brought in. These aren't names that are jumping off the page. And if you're a fancy football player or just a casual NFL fan, they're not going to be wide receivers that are high on your list of people to look out for. But if they can get enough contributions 
um, you know, from those five as a core group, um, then I think, as Steve said, I think it's the defence that's obviously going to make the big difference. If the defence can limit teams to somewhere in the region and, you know, in, on an average of sort of 17 to 20 points a game, um, you know, which would put them right up there then as maybe the number one, number two defence in the league from a statistical point of view. Have they got enough um, to get them over the line? You saw last year when Alex Smith played, I think a little bit of competent quarterback play was enough to get the job done. I think with Fitzpatrick, you are at times going to get some excellent play and at other times you're going to get turnovers and all the other frustrations that have come with him throughout his career. So he's a little bit more inconsistent. Smith's more of a steady pair of hands or was a steady pair of hands. Um, but I think it's really up to those skill players. And I'd be looking at Gibson and Logan Thomas in particular um, as the two that if they can sort of prove that last year wasn't a flash in the pan and a little bit of a fluke, they then could potentially be, like you said, looking at, at back-to-back, um, you know, divisional victory, uh, divisional totals. Yeah, I think that just just one word of just one word of warning to everyone that's looking to, to buy high on uh, on Washington at the moment is that if you're relying on your defense to get you to somewhere in the region of 17 to 20 to get you into games, this is not the schedule for it. I mean, first of all, you're in a division with Dallas with Dak back, which I'll touch on in a bit. But you know, they are all about offense. You know, they will happily concede as many points as as they like, but they will score points. And then you'll go into the AFC, uh, the AFC West as well this season, or the NFC East teams. So, good luck defending and keeping it down to twenty points a game against them. I, you know, if they're able to do that, then all the better for them. But uh, you know, Kansas and uh, K- Kansas and uh, the Chargers are going to be a tough ask for that one. Yeah, and I think the way you look at the way their season ended last year as well, and and, and you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm, I'm not suggesting that if if they had Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, they'd be going all the way because there's you know there's obviously still gaps where they're not you know the most complete team in the NFC. But last week, last week, last year, going into the final three games of the season, Washington were atop the NFC East with they were six and seven, right? So they had three games left. They were six and seven. That would if you win those three, you get nine and seven. That's quite a respectable sort of record. Um, they had to get play two home games against the Seahawks and the Panthers, and then a Week 17 finale against the Eagles in Philadelphia. Uh, they lost both home games, and then they just beat the Eagles after the Eagles pulled all their starters, and then they went, went out straight away in the in the uh, first um, playoff game at home because obviously they won the division. So if you look at that as a Washington fan, obviously that leaves a lot to be desired. You know, there's the, that you should the, the Panthers at least you should have won that game. Absolutely should have won that game. So yeah, there's obviously a lot to a lot to improve. And whilst they've added some pieces, I'm just still not convinced that that um, that they're there just yet. Yeah, just uh, just just one last thing as well, just to bring it back up to uh, the schedule as well. I've just seen they've also got Buffalo and Tampa as well. I just think that the schedule is just too much for them to overcome this year. Good team kind of shot themselves in the foot finishing first last year because the schedule's now horrific. Um, but year or two's time, we'll probably be talking about them in a much better light. They're definitely built for future success, just that that future is not 2021. 
It's like deja vu. It's like having Tim back and saying, fancy winning the division. What a stupid thing to do. You've now shot yourself in the foot. So, yeah, we uh, we seemingly go backwards and forwards on Washington. But at the end of the day, they certainly are the team uh, that won it last year. They'll be looking to repeat. Steve, give us a couple of players to be looking out for from a positive and negative standpoint when it does come to Washington. So I think the, the the one to mention from a positive, and you can't really look anywhere else, uh, really, I think, is, is Chase Young. He absolutely lit up the league last year as a first round, uh, first round defensive end. He's obviously got absolutely bags of talent, um, and I think in one of the first snaps or defensive snaps of the game preseason last week, he absolutely put a uh, an offensive lineman uh, on his backside and uh, got straight to the quarterback. The guy's a machine, um, and do you know what? I would even say that. I would not be surprised if he's in, if he's up there for more sacks in the league next year. Um, I think he's got that talent. I think that that defensive line is so good, and with him leading that, um, I think he's certainly. It might be an obvious answer, but he's certainly one to watch. And it's and it's evidence of what can happen when a team is picking high, like Washington were in 2020, and they don't go quarterback. You know, so many teams. If you're in a top three, they're, they're usually quarterback needy teams you know we saw it in this year's draft um but the redskins uh, they were the redskins at the time they're not anymore uh they drafted young the second pick and he's you know he's proving dividends now so it shows you that if you can draft a, a non-quarterback position if you get it right um that can certainly reap its benefits now because they've got him on another year of his rookie deal before he uh, another couple of years of his rookie deal sorry um and he's already producing the numbers as a as, a, as an experienced defensive end so yeah i'd, I'd definitely say chase young um in terms of uh, on the hot seat, do you know what? It's it, with a with a team like Washington that's got a sort of as good a depth chart as they do, and in you know in a, in a year where they're on the up and they should be winning more games than they did last year, it's sort of difficult to pick someone who's in the hot seat, so to speak, because um, I don't think there's anyone that's sort of, you know jobs at risk. I don't think um, I would potentially say their tackles. Um, you know, they, their tackles wouldn't fill me with uh, with confidence if I was um, if I was a Washington fan. Um, they got Charles Leno on one side, who's cut by the Bears, and they've got a rookie second rounder at right tackle. So you know that doesn't fill me with confidence in in two really important positions on the offensive line. So I would say they they probably need to have a good season to keep Fitzpatrick, or if it becomes Taylor Heineke upright. Yeah, difficult to disagree with, mate. Like you say, plenty of um, positives amongst the roster. I think, like I say, they've probably benefited as much as anybody from a bit of late-season uh, hype, so to speak. Um, but um, like you say, when you actually look beyond it, one win in the last four, um, if you include the playoff loss, so yeah, important for them to, to get off to a, a good start. Second in the division last time around were the New York Giants. They finished with a 6-10 and 10 record. Had a chance on the last day if results had gone the way to be uh, the division winners, but it wasn't to be. Um, they've made a fair number of moves, it seems, on the offensive side of the ball in particular, Josh. Uh, give us the rundown of the 2021 off-season view of the Giants. Yeah, so um, this is going to sound a little deja vu pretty much the last 15 minutes or so, but... Uh, even though they're not spoken about anywhere near as much as the uh, Washington football team for their defensive prowess, the Giants are up there with sneakily one of the best defences in the league. Uh, you just don't get to see it often because they just can't hold out for as long or their offence can't you know, help them out, really. So it 
caused quite a uh, you know quite a downside, particularly towards the end of the season. But if you look at there were two wins in particular that sort of caught my eye. Um, so beating the Seahawks 17-12, you restricted the Seahawks to 12 points. That's impressive. Yeah, that's seriously impressive. And then also a, a, a good win over Washington as well, you know, when Washington were just starting their run. So, um, you know, those are, those are really good um, favours to have in your cap last year. And I like the fact that they have gone all in on the offense this year because the offense was bad, you know. Um, the offense was really bad last year. I don't rate Danny Dimes at all. I don't think he's worth a dime, let alone, let alone giving him the nickname Danny Dimes. Um, but when you think that they've brought in Golladay, Booker, Rudolph, people don't think of Rudolph as a great tight end, but he would definitely do the job for you. I think he's definitely an improvement. Um you know, they've brought in a Dory Jackson in the secondary. Now that secondary is stacked. You know, that, that secondary is really stacked now. You know, they've got a good team, but I think the quarterback is just going to really drag them down this year. Um, Saquon Barker gets injured again, of which I fully expect him to, because he can't be... There seems to be some sort of football guard that stops him from having a full season. So I fully expect for that to happen at some point this year. And I, I I do think that they need to sort their passing attack out. They've obviously put the weapons in place for, for Jones to have a good season, you know, just by way of the receivers helping him out more than anything else. But is it enough? All the talks around camp have been that he's going to struggle. I can fully buy that. So... Yeah, as much as I really hype this this team in terms of the roster that they've got, because it's now a pretty good roster, I just can't see them getting away with too much more than five, six wins. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the New York situation echoes a lot of uh, Washington with just not quite as good a, a roster. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I don't buy the Daniel Jones hype. I, I think he looks out of place in that team. And I think with a better quarterback, they'd have won the division last year easily. I know it sounds like a broken record because we've now said that about the first two teams we've talked about, but it's true. Like Daniel Jones in his two NFL seasons leads the NFL in turnovers with 39 and he missed six starts. So that means that in 26 starts, Daniel Jones has 39 turnovers. That's an astonishing amount of turnovers. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's got an 8-18 eight, eight and 18 record as a starter in uh, QB. Um, last year, he had 35 touchdowns to 22 interceptions. 22 interceptions. Now, I'm an Eagles fan, and I watched Carson Wentz last year, but that is a lot of interceptions. Um, and, you know, I, whilst I don't think the Giants have got the best receiving core in the uh, in the NFL, they're, they're not bad, and they've certainly added to that with, with Kenny Golladay. You know, we'll, I'm sure we'll come on to whether or not he was worth that money. But, you know, it's Kenny Golladay, uh, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, they're not bad receivers. They've added John Ross to that room as well, and first-rounder Kadarius Tony. You know, the, with the tight ends of Engram and now Carl Rudolph, you know, he's got some weapons there. And so if he has that... That same sort of season, New York has got to be looking to move on. They have to. He's not in a league where you throw the ball to win the game because it's a it's it's been a passing league for several years now. 
Um, you can't have a guy that turns the ball up over that much. And again, I agree with, uh, it, again, we're, we're agreeing a lot so far. I agree about Saquon Barkley as well. Once you tear an ACL as a running back, that is such a massive injury. And will he yeah. ever be the same again? Will he ever be the same running back again? He had so much power, you know, in, in his in his game. And I just, you know, if he gets one minor injury or something straight away, the, you know, are they going to be wrapping, wrapping up in cotton wool? And, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back. But, I agree. The, the the defense again is what will potentially save them, and you've you've got to think that secondary is looking is looking pretty special right now, and certainly something to to rival the Washington secondary. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've yes. Go on. Ooh, go sorry, Sean. Sure. No, no. Go ahead, mate. Go ahead. I've already bored the listeners enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I was just going to say. I think you you sort of have hit the nail on the head in as much as the defence, like you say, potentially a little bit underrated, probably doesn't get as much of the attention because of the other you know, defence in that division that we've already talked about. So it probably does fly under the radar a little bit. The thing I would say in terms of um, the Giants, in terms of that offence, and it, it's difficult to get away from the sort of horrendous mistakes that Daniel Jones makes, Um there's a video that surfaced on Twitter. I think it was only from a sort of scrimmage um, and he just threw the ball to nobody, just defenders everywhere in the area. There was no offensive players anywhere near it. And he, he does oh, have one or two throws a game that you just really think, what on earth are you doing? He'll obviously be remembered last year, probably for his infamous trip of um, himself when he was basically coasting into the end zone. Um, you know, there are too many of these type of things that are already sort of marks on his career that for someone that was massively overdrafted and that's not his fault but he was massively overdrafted and with that does come an added pressure um yeah that's why they'll stick with him i mean you know you look at the rest of the quarterback death chart the fact that they brought in brought in mike glennon as the primary backup i mean it's not exactly you know scaring anybody is it let's be honest so they are going to roll with daniel jones one way or another let's be honest you know that it is going to be a make or break season for him um i think in terms of the wide receivers that you've mentioned there you know i actually think that darius slayton was was quite underrated last year um you know i think he along like you say with shepherd Golladay, if he can stay fit, because that's always been the issue with Kenny Golladay, is can he actually stay healthy? But he certainly makes many a spectacular catch. Um, you know, but I think the biggest issue on the offense I will get to when I uh, come back shortly in terms of the players to look out for. But Steve, I think you want to make another point on the Giants before we get to the the individual players. Yeah, I think another thing to think about is going back to last season and how they how they finished. So the Giants started one and seven. Let's not forget that they were dreadful in the first half of the season, one and seven, and then they rallied a bit. But let's look at who they beat in their in their six wins last season. So the quarterbacks that they beat: Kyle Allen of Washington, Alex Smith of Washington, Carson Wentz, who was playing the worst football of his career, uh, Brandon Allen of the Bengals. Russell Wilson of the Seahawks, we'll give him credit for that, and Andy Dalton of the Cowboys. Five of those six were backup quarterbacks. So they beat five backup quarterbacks to get six wins. Obviously, the Seahawks win was was very impressive, but that was their only impressive win. And 
how can a team who's only beating backup quarterbacks ever get anywhere from there? And I think it all comes back to, unfortunately, back to the quarterback. And again, the same situation, broken record. If you plug a better quarterback into that team, I think they do well. Because I, I agree with you. I think they do have offensive weapons. I think their receiver room is is pretty good. I, you know, I, I don't necessarily buy into the tawny pick and some of the things he's shown in camp have not been um hugely Ooh. impressive but um you know he, i mean he didn't he he was put on the covid reserve was it covid reserve list or the injured list for rookie minicamp and i think he sat out rookie minicamp which is odd that is odd especially for a first round pick um so yeah i i, I it's a broken record but i think it's a similar situation to washington yeah, don't disagree at all, mate. Let's have a look at a couple of players then. I've sort of teed myself up a little bit um, in terms of the area that you probably know that I'm going to go to now because we've talked a fair bit about the skill players. So I'm going to say the area that needs to improve is the offensive line. Um, in particular, Andrew Thomas, who was, in many people's opinion, the best offensive lineman coming out of last year's draft class. He was certainly the first one taken um, and, you know, in many a mock draft, he was going certainly in the top 10 to various different teams that needed a tackle. But out of all of the tackles that came out last year, you know, in terms of, you know, Jedrick Wills, Thomas, um, Tristan Wirfs, he, he was by far the worst of the lot in terms of what he actually put out on the field. He was actually credited, gents, with 57 total pressures from the left tackle position. It's 14 more than anybody else in the league. So, you know, didn't obviously all lead to sacks. But when you say that, you know, Daniel Jones needs to do this, that and the other, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he's without any sort of blame. But when you've got that much pressure coming from your blind side, it becomes a mental block, doesn't it? And even if the pressure isn't there on certain plays, he almost thinks that it will be there. You know, he's got a he's got a habit to take off and run from a clean pocket, and that's because he doesn't trust what's there protecting him. Go on, Josh, you want to say something? But Yeah, I'm just going to take you back to that video that you watched of the New York Giants fan fest where he had the cleanest pocket I have seen in a long, long time, and he threw it directly to a linebacker with no one within 45 yards of him. I mean, if you've seen ghosts, then we're talking Scooby-Doo level of clarity of ghosts there, because that is quite something. Yeah, I, I, that's what I say. I do not disagree at all. I'm, I'm, you know, like I say, he, he's not without blame, you know. But we've seen this, at a, you know, not at the same level. But we saw this a little bit with Baker Mayfield at the back end of his second season, and even to some extent at the start of his third season. This is going back to when. Greg Robinson was his left tackle and Chris Hubbard was his right tackle. You know, he wasn't confident in what he was seeing there and how many times did he scramble. And, you know, this is this is the optimistic Browns fan being critical now. So, you know, it does happen. You know, these quarterbacks, they like that protection from the pocket and they want to know that it's consistent and it's there all the time. Right, pessimistic Browns fan coming in to save Baker from that one. He didn't throw it to a guy with like 40 yards of space around him, though. There, there, is, there, there are levels to this. There's scrambling for your life and throwing it, you know, out of bounds and towards defenders in contested spots. And there is Daniel Jones at FanFest. And Steve has been just begging to get on the, uh, get, get on this. 
I mean, I was going to make a point about the 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 selection, the the tackle for the position that needs to improve because I absolutely agree. Like, you look at the draft in in the 2020 draft, Thomas was taken first of the offensive tackles. He was the first one of the four that was taken in the first round, and he was drafted fourth. So that just shows you the flip side of obviously not taking a quarterback. So uh, obviously the now football team drafted two spots above him and took Chase Young and he now looks like a superstar two spots later they take Andrew Thomas who you know obviously will give him his dues he's only been one season obviously we can't pile on him just yet but he had a really bad rookie season especially when you look at the ones that were taken after him especially Tristan Wirfs he looks like a, a, a solid plug in and play tackle in the in the NFL and I think if you're gonna spend a tack a pick that high on a tackle you've got to hit like I I, I know this because I'm an Eagles fan but in the 2013 draft they took Lane Johnson as the fourth pick overall at the tackle and he still plays left tackle for the Eagles he's uh, sorry right tackle for the Eagles he's still there and he's won a Super Bowl and he's a pro bowler you know that's the type of of production you want from a tackle so yeah absolutely agree with that one yeah and I get Nate Solder back in that room as well he opted out um from you know from from playing last year he went on the COVID reserve list um, so he's back as well. So I certainly think there will be more protection. And look, any excuse that he's got then disappears, doesn't it? Like, say, if the protection does improve, then all of these things that I've said in his defence will all disappear. Um, you know, he has got to put up or shut up. He's certainly been given the weapons around him. And in terms of the weapons, it won't be no surprise. Very, very safe pick in terms of player to look out for. Pretty similar um, in terms of the impact that he has on the team as what uh, Steve's selection had earlier. Um but I'm talking on the offensive side of the ball for New York. I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley. Um, obviously back after a pretty nasty injury. Um, we will wait and see what he does come back like. But I do think the Giants will want to make sure that they actually up his workload. Um, on his career, he's averages 4.7 yards per carry. Um, you know, but you know, that's that's just netted just over 2,300 yards. I think when they drafted him as high up as they did, they were fully expecting, you know, for him to become the linchpin and the, you know, the key piece of the offense. I certainly think you'll see more of that this year. He's obviously a massive receiving threat out of the backfield as well, which will help a quarterback that's lacking in confidence. Um, so, yeah, certainly Saquon Barkley, if the Giants are going to do anything of significance, you would think would be a massive piece of what they need to do. Um, we may well be talking about another player coming back from injuries. We move on to the third team from the division last year. The Cowboys finished six and ten. Uh, Josh, give us the lowdown. Or might we? <laughs> because Dallas sure do like keeping us on our toes, don't we? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, look, I really hope that we see Dak Prescott back, uh, back, back in the frame next year. I think Steve's sort of shaking his head, sort of uh, hoping for the worst, but. Uh, I think that me and everybody else that's on the hard knocks loving at the moment wants to see a positive sort of uh, end to that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to do what I do normally and that's uh, just spin through last season a little bit to give it some context. So Dask, Dak Prescott was on for 6,250 yards last year. That is an insane amount of yardage. And even then, after all that, the first four games of the season where he w- he was already close to 2,000 yards, uh, he was still one and three. You know, he was still one and three when he went down. Ended up being two and three with that game in the, uh, against the Giants in the end. Um, but that Dallas, Dallas did keep rolling. I mean, it definitely killed their season. You know, going from Prescott to Dalton. 
And I wasn't exactly the biggest Dalton fan anyway, and it's not even being a Browns homer. It's just the fact that Dalton is the most average NFL quarterback on record. And with his age as well, it's just sort of turned average to less than average. And, you know, it told. Um, but they still went 6-10. and 10. You know, they still beat uh, Minnesota, Cincinnati. Back with, That was when Cincinnati was on their own little run as well. Uh, San Francisco, yes, I know there was a lot of injuries, um, but, you know, they still had to go and do it. It was injuries versus injuries. Uh, and then uh, the Eagles as well. So, you know, it's still relatively impressive from that front, and they've got a good offensive team. It's just the defense. Dallas Dallas does not do defense. I'll try to think of even more Ds there to make it completely... Uh, you know, alliteration and all that, but uh, yeah, I digress. Um, yeah, if that Prescott does start this season and he and he does stay healthy, you know, um, you know, if that MRI on his shoulder comes back and sit and gives him the all clear, apparently it's not a setback. I can't get round that social media message. I really can't. It's not a setback. It was like a haiku. Like it's not not something to worry about. It's not a setback, but Dak's thinking about getting an MRI. Oh yes, because he just loves having an MRI, doesn't he? Yes, but no, I do think that um, that realistically, all hopes lie on Dak's health this year because the defense isn't improved enough yet. They've made some improvements, and I'll point to one player that I think will really help with that. But there's still not enough to say that they're going to be a fantastic defensive team. You know, definitely not like Giants and the football team. Um, so it's going to be all about offense and putting points on the board. And points on the board will do well with their schedule as well. Like I've said, you know, having to go and play the AFC West, having to play a few of the other teams, that's also very high point scoring. Scoring points is better than restricting points, I think, in their schedule. So that will help them. I think that if Dak's healthy, they win the division. Um, I am quite high on them. But now I'm just stuck around waiting on the phone for the MRI results uh, and the next Hard Knocks episode because, come on, we all love Hard Knocks, really, don't we? I think in terms of that MRI, I think there are reports that he may actually be returning to practice as early as today. We're recording this Monday, so he may actually be at practice today. It seems to have been positive. It's It sounds from the MRI, but there's not there's never smoke without fire, is there? So we will wait and see on that one. And like you say, Hard Knocks might be the best place to uh, get the news over the coming days. But uh, Steve, they're obviously a big rival. What's your thoughts on uh, the 2021 offseason for the Cowboys? I mean, obviously, I'm I'm going to try and be a bit uh, objective here and try not to to uh, push my dislike of the Dallas Cowboys too much. But um, I'll start positive positivity. Obviously, they've you know Dak's obviously a great player when he's upright, and if he can stay upright, I think they've got a real chance of of taking the division. Because let's be honest, it's the NFC East, and ten wins, maybe even nine wins, might even get you it this year, like it would have last year. So I think they've got a great shout. And if you look at their wide receiver core, that's enough to you know, they're probably the best wide receiver core in the NFL or one of certainly, um, you know, CD lamb had a great first year. And if he continues on that trend, um, you know, is, is, uh, certainly going to be a, a, a pro bowler in, in his future. And, you know, they've got great options there, but my concern with, with Dallas, again, trying from an objective perspective is, is similar to what Josh said there, the defense just doesn't fill me with confidence, but, 
more than that, I think that what people are sort of going under the radar here and years, you know, two, three, four years ago, Dallas was credited with having a, a terrific offensive line. They did for several years, um, but not so much anymore. You know, you look at their stalwarts in, the, in like Tyron Smith and, um, you know, he's he's aging. He is aging and has had some serious injury problems in the last few years. He's missed 26 games in the last five years. You know, that's not what you want out of your left tackle. You don't want that level of uh, of injury history. Um, you know, Zach Martin, one of the best guards to ever play uh, play the game. Um, you know, is is he even uh, is he even going to be there? Uh, is or is he going to be the starter this year? You know, he's in a decline as well. I think their I think their um, their offensive line is 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 potentially going to uh, undo them, and that was probably the reason that they got undone last year, and and how Dak ended up with his injury. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the other thing that, that goes under the radar is I just, and I know that a certain I've, I've spoken to Cowboys fan. I think Tim agrees as well, is that just Mike McCarthy was not the right hire. The guy had Aaron Rodgers for what, 13 years and won one Super Bowl. It's Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the best players to ever play the game. And he won one Super Bowl with him. I just, I don't rate McCarthy as a head coach and I think and we all know what Jerry Jones is like you know that's the other thing Jerry Jones's franchise and he'll he'll try and turn the rudder whenever he wants to um and if and if he gets his choice if if they have another bad start to the season I could see him pulling the trigger on McCarthy I really could because that's you know that's what the that's what the Cowboys are like and that's what Jerry Jones is like um but yeah I, I think overall I think it's between them and Washington to win the division I won't I won't doubt that they do have obviously incredible offensive weapons. I think uh, Zeke is starting to be on a downward trend. I've made that pretty clear in the last few podcasts we've done. It'll be interesting to see how he copes this year, um, and if they do split some color, uh, some carries with with Tony Pollard as well. Um, but like you said, Josh, if if that goes down again, they aren't many winning many games with Ben Denucci or Garrett Gilbert, are they? You know, so no, they're not. That's going to be a problem. Yeah, I just think on Dallas, I think in terms of the defence, I mean, it's obviously, like you say, the weak point, but I think we need to put it into a little bit of context in terms of just how almost historically bad it was to start last season. Um, You take the first six games of last season, um, only weekend shipped 20 points to the Rams. No big concern there. But then you look at this next five-week run, conceding 39 to the Falcons, 38 to the Seahawks, 49 to the Browns, 34 to the Giants, and 38 to the Cardinals. The first six games, they actually averaged giving up 36.3 points per game. Over the last 10, it actually improved to 25.5 points per game. So they did actually make a fairly significant jump in terms of the defensive side of the ball, ironically, after Dak went out. Um, Yeah. You know. There's a reason for that, I think. How quickly were Dallas scoring points with Deck in the game? Uh, th- and that's what I was. That's exactly what I was just going to come to in terms of that, because as you say, I mean, I remember those games. I mean, the two games that stand out, and I remember vividly the Falcons game, forty points to thirty-nine. Because at one point the Falcons were actually twenty points up in that game. Um, so that was obviously, um, you know, one of the only wins that they got in the early part of the season. Fantastic come from behind victory. And then the Cleveland game was almost following a very similar pattern. The, the yeah. Browns were massively, massively up in that game. I remember on the night sort of, you know, texting Tim a few smiley faces and smirks. And then, 
you know, basically sort of clinging on at the end, it felt like, until OBJ sort of scampered sort of 65 yards down the sideline to essentially ice the game. But that was a, a similar pattern. But they did make significant, like I say, changes. I think there was a lot of emphasis on the um, the sort of play calling and, and one thing and another. Um, you know, and outside of a, a, a two-week run that, for whatever reason, they conceded 41 to the football team and 34 to the Ravens in back-to-back weeks, it certainly was a lot tighter in that back end of the season. So I think we know in terms of the players that we're looking out for, we're probably going to be talking offensively and the players that need to up their game, we're probably talking defensively, but I'm only surmising because it's not me that's going to pick them, it's going to be Josh. So let's uh, throw it over to you again, buddy. And let's let's zag where others zig, shall we? Because I'm naturally not going to go offense in terms of who to look mm-hmm. out for. No, I'm gonna I'm actually going to go for the rookie Mika Parsons. I actually really like what he's about um, because he's exactly what Dallas need. I think that Dallas are going to be looking a lot more at the defensive side this year. Uh, and I think that we actually know quite a lot about what the Cowboys are about in attack. So I think that. In terms of ones to watch, you should definitely be looking at the defensive side of the ball. And Parsons is just a different energy in that Cowboys linebacker core. You know, I think that if they're able to unleash his pure potential, he could end up being a star for the Cowboys. And that's not a logo pun, although I am known for them. Um, So, yeah, I think that... He's going to be vital in terms of what they do. Um, again, getting after the quarterback, getting pressures, trying to stop the stop them on third down because they just looked way too static, especially in the passing game. Um, they looked really static and just allowing teams to get all over them. So, uh, yeah, I quite like uh, Parsons Parsons for that. In terms of oh, actually, go on, yeah, yeah. I'm just just gonna just come in on that. I think. In terms of what he does on the field, we'll wait and see. I mean, obviously, there's some off-field issues, but it seems like we talk about off-field issues with any NFL player these days. So, we'll let that be by the by. Does it not feel to you like it feels to me? Um, and I'm guessing probably not, as you've picked him as you want to watch. But it just felt like a typical Dallas pick in the draft. wasn't necessarily an area of need, if I'm being completely honest. Um I don't know, Steve, I think you're nodding in agreement with me. It just feels like, you know, I'm not denying that he's, he's he's a good player, but it certainly didn't feel to me like the area that if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd be looking at and thinking, yeah, I really fancy another linebacker. Well, you look at their linebacker room and like Leighton Van Der Esch, obviously he's got his, his injury issues, but he's a, he's obviously a good player. And then you look at Jalen Smith, also another good linebacker. So like they already had pretty good linebackers. And when you look at the rest of the defense, there were there were crying needs on the rest of the defense. And, you know, you, obviously people talk about picking best player available rather than and positional need. And I get that. I completely understand that. But I agree. Like it, it was when they picked him, I was really surprised because because the, uh, Dallas traded with the Eagles for that pick in the first round. So they went down to 12. And by that point, the three wide receivers were out, which were, they, they were never going to pick a wide receiver anyway. But, you know, it certainly felt like there were other players, especially an offensive tackle, which there was one that went shortly after. I think Darisol went shortly after. Um, and they went for, for Mika Parsons. So, yeah, I, I get it. Like, I understand the, the, the kid and like, you know, Earlier in the in the draft cycle last year, uh, sorry, earlier this year, he was being mock drafted in the top six to some teams. So I get it; he's obviously a talented player, but like, surely that was already a positional strength. And yeah, when there's gaping holes like there are on the defense, I agree. 
Right. So here's my reasoning behind it, because I actually liked the pick and I liked the trade up as well, just to screw over the Giants. I did quite like that. It was just it was one of those nice little things of which you never really see in the draft anymore. And the fact that it was a divisional rival trading with a divisional rival to screw over a third divisional. It was just beautiful. Um, I digress. The reason why I like it is that I actually don't think that Dallas are all in on Van Der Esch. So they declined his fifth-year option. He's missed 13 games in two seasons. It's a lot of games. So, you know, when you're missing probably your main linebacker for, you know, that long in a season. And also, it was a, it was a terrible neck injury, his last one. You know, who, who's to say he's going to come back as the same guy? And who says he comes back at all the season after? You know, we could be looking at the future main defensive player of the Dallas Cowboys in Micah Parsons here. Um, because Van Der Esch, I don't think he puts in the numbers. I don't think that his stats are where they need to be for a top defensive player for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, his injuries show that, you know, he's not reliable in terms of staying on the field. I don't know if that's too much of a harsh thing to say, the word reliable, but, you know, he's not on the field for as much as you would need. And in terms of, you know, do do I think that he had a good, that he was good value? Yeah, because realistically, if you look at pure talent, he was probably top six, top seven. The, the morality stuff aside, because I think if we get into that, then we might as well just tear apart every single team for the last decade or two or three. Or how long has the NFL been in existence? Because I'm pretty sure we could find some from the very, very start. But yeah, so Mika Parsons, great pick in terms of his talent. I think he's going to end up making a case that he is the guy in defense. And if anyway, the question is who's one to watch? He's definitely one to watch to see if he makes it his own. Very true. Very true. Well reasoned, my friend. Well reasoned. You've won me over. Give me one on the hot seat then. Uh, I feel like I've actually already talked about him. It was Leighton Vanderesh, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you guys played me into it rather perfectly. Um, like I say, I, I'll, I'll bring someone else in as well now, actually, as a bonus. But uh, yeah, it's the numbers. So for a linebacker, he's had two sacks over two seasons, 13 games missed, just not a lot of impact. Um or not enough impact, should I say, especially for the pick that they were lording over a couple of years back. Uh, basically, need to see more. And they've declined the fifth-year option. So, uh, you know, this is a make-or-break season for him. And Steve touched on the other guy who's definitely on the hot seat, Mike McCarthy. And the only thing I'm going to say is for obvious reasons. I don't think I need to say any more than that. But if you do, I'll write an article about it, maybe. They brought Mike McCarthy in because they thought they were a contender and he would provide that Super Bowl caliber winning head coach. And his first season, he went six and ten. Obviously, they had a quarterback injury there, but you know, I just, I just don't have faith in the guy. I tell you what, even worse. Have you two watched the first episode of Hard Knocks? I have to ask before I go into this. No, right. When you do, you'll hear about Mojo moments, of which is all based upon. Yes, that's right. Austin Powers, of all things, of which I'm pretty sure that no player in the locker room will even be old enough to have watched Austin Powers 2, where they talk about Mojo 3. I'm barely old enough, you know, and I'm 29 going on to 30. And it's all about being 
you know, it's the time for extra motivation, extra concentration, extra efficiency, you know, and they actually play the Austin Powers theme tune during camp. It's like, now it's a mojo moment and it's really overdone. And the only thing I can think is this is Mike McCarthy. This is the Messiah Mike McCarthy. The one that Aaron Rodgers was apparently winning a Super Bowl. Like, no, no, this can't be. This has got to be some fraud. They're wearing Mike McCarthy's bodysuit. So, yeah, worrying, I would take that, and definitely embarrassing. Yeah, certainly is. Um, I won't watch Hard Knocks just for that now, to be fair. That, uh, that sounds very interesting, very peculiar, if nothing else. Um, probably music to your ears, though, Steve, as a Philadelphia fan. Obviously, like we said, Philadelphia, last team to mention. Propped up the poll last year. Obviously, a disappointing 4-11 and 1. But, um, you know, you've obviously made some significant moves in the off-season now, more so than at the head coaching position. So, uh, talk us through the 2021 for the off-season yeah, so I think it, with Philadelphia, it's it's difficult to start anywhere other than uh, head coach and quarterback. Obviously, the Carson Wentz drama dragged on for as long as it did. Um, I was sort of I started off pretty confident he wouldn't go because of the cost to the team that it would have incurred, and then it very quickly got apparent that he didn't want to be there anymore. And they they had a willing trade partner in his old head his old offensive coordinator in, in Indianapolis. So, you know that got done. He has the biggest cap hit in NFL history, dead cap hit that is, of I think it's thirty three point eight million dollars this year to the Eagles. So they're paying him that to not play for them this year. Um, and I think that will only increase. You know, as these contracts get given out and guys. Have have bad years they'll look to get them off the books and i wouldn't be surprised if that's eclipsed next year but yeah so that's a real problem for the eagles and i you know the the doug peterson firing it came about apparently because he was reluctant to bring in any additional outside help for uh coordinator roles and didn't want to sort of upset the apple cart too much but obviously the the um um front office decided that you know you need to make changes because this team isn't as a shambles and he refused to do that so they went their separate ways and that's always going to be a shame you know the guy won as a super bowl so i'm you know i've, I've never got a bad thing to say about uh doug peterson and he and he brought the town its first ring so um frustrating to see but it's you know i like what i've seen from siriani so far he looks like he's got the energy and so far in training camp the, the team looks pretty good i think a lot with Philadelphia this year rests on Jalen Hurts. And I know that's, you know, seems to be an awful lot about the, we've talked pretty much has been a quarterback division, this one, but it really is because he was drafted in the second round and that probably was the cause of the whole Car- Carson Wentz upset. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how he plays. He looks, he says the right things and he, and he, and, you know, but it's not about what you say, is it? it's about how you perform on the field. And, you know, the college guys would tell you that his biggest drawback is his accuracy. And, you know, they would argue that he probably doesn't have an NFL arm. And so far in, in camp, that's been probably his main drawback is his accuracy. And sometimes that lacks. So, you know, it's, um, that'll be one to watch certainly, but the additions of the likes of, um, um, Devonta Smith, I love the trade up just to screw over the Giants, like you said, Josh. Like um, Dallas, I think the only reason Dallas allowed it is because they know we're not a contender this year. But I think Devonta Smith could come back to haunt them several times in the next few years because I think he's going to be a hell of a player, regardless mm. of his size. He doesn't drop the ball, which is really encouraging for Philadelphia. Um, and I think the, with Philadelphia, they were third highest in the league last year on sacks. So their defensive line is obviously their strength. And they. Um, 
they've added to that in the draft and also brought back all the same guys as well. So if they can have another good season, I think their defensive line will will certainly help them out in games. And and before I hand over to you, Josh, I would say that if if healthy, and that's a big if because there were some major injuries along that line last year, in the first 14 games, they had 12 different offensive line combinations, which I think is an NFL record. So they obviously had a lot of injuries there but if they can keep their offensive line healthy I actually think it's one of the best in the league and that might be a lot coming from a Philadelphia Eagles fan but you look along that line Lane Johnson pro bowler Brandon Brooks pro bowler Jason Kelsey one of the best centers to ever play the game pro bowler Isaac Samalu pretty solid left guard and obviously there's the question mark over Mylata at left tackle but I think he looks like a good player so I think that could be their strength and if they can keep give Hurt some time then that's what a rookie or or yeah, I mean, rookie hurts is pretty much a rookie. He only played four games last year. That's what a, a rookie needs. He needs time to be able to go through his his reads and, and and get the ball out. So that's where I'm. If I'm being positive about Philadelphia, and I would just end that by saying that I am not. Although I am an eternal optimist, and I will always be optimistic about Philadelphia, because what's the point in in following your team if you're not going to be optimistic about them? But I'm certainly not expecting them to do much this year. I think if they get any more than about six wins, I'd be I'd be mighty impressed. Yeah, um, I think that's actually a, a nice sort of place to be. I've got them at five personally, but somewhere in that region is probably about accurate. Um, like you say, their best. Their best uh, best foot forwards definitely their lines, and I think that that's a good place to be. Like you said last week, for example, and in fact, as you've said for many a week now, if you're going to let let's call it a rebuild, because realistically, it's that sort of phase for the Eagles. If you're going to rebuild, you start from the trenches. You know, according to a couple of guides that I've read so far this year, um, you've got above average offensive line and front seven of which is, for a rebuild, a good place to start. So with that, you could, it's just everyone outside the lines, but that's fine. That will come in time. Um, one thing which I was going to ask you, because it's always nice when you actually have a review, have a preview with a fan as well, and you you put forward some great questions to us last week just to, uh, to either to check us or to actually gain some more insight. If... You read a tweet from the Eagles tomorrow morning saying that you'd given three firsts to Houston for Watson. Let's take away, let's take away the the extra stuff surrounding him, right? Let's say that the legality stuff won't be an issue. Three firsts for Watson, knowing that that's your future, but at the same time, Watson becomes your future. Do you take it or do you take the red pill? Uh, yes. I think I, the the thing is, it's really difficult to to hypothetical that question because mm. the reason that no one's done it yet is because of the legal stuff. And the yeah. longer that that runs on, the more that it seems like it's going to be a major problem. But I think if 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 we were if we were playing this game and we could turn off that switch of all of the off field stuff, if mm-hmm. we're just going to play that game for a second, yes, absolutely. The guy's a top five quarterback in the league. I mean, he led the league in was it passing yards last year for that Houston team. Like that that's astonishing when they finished four and twelve and he led the league in passing yards. That shows how good a player he is. And and I'm often um 
I'm often a little bit lower on players after they tear an ACL because I think that's such a major injury to come back from. And I've said it before, would do players ever come back to that level? And certainly Carson Wentz is one to say, well, I don't know if he's ever going to get there. But um, Deshaun Watson has and has proven that he is still a quality yeah. player. So, yes, I would. And the great thing is, is that Philadelphia has two, maybe three first rounders in 2022. Um, they've got Miami's from from the trade down, and then depending on how Carson Wentz does, they'll have a an Indianapolis second or an Indianapolis first. So they could have three first rounders next year. So they've got the ammunition, and, and I've read from from certainly NFL analysts. I don't know if it was Rappaport who said that of all the teams that are there that would be in for him, the Eagles are best placed to do it because of the ammunition they have and because of the cap space that they'll have over the next few seasons. So. Yes, but with a big, big sort of asterisk, shall we say, that if any of this is even remotely true, I don't want him anywhere near the team. Like, you can't, it's it's so difficult to root for a guy like that when you know that's the background. And I'd have real problems with that being the fit, because he's the face of the franchise, isn't he? He's a quarterback. Yeah. He's the star guy. It's so, it'd be so difficult to root for a guy like that. You know, and, and, and you guys, I know it's obviously not the same level, but I'm sure you guys had trouble, um, uh, with, 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 uh, yeah exactly with Kareem Hunt exactly so you know you've struggled to sort of put yourself in that position but what I would ask you to is again from a from a fan perspective I, you know I'm I'm a I'm an optimist but I'm also a realist I said there I don't think we'll get any more than sort of five or six wins and I wouldn't be surprised if we take a, Q, a QB early next year but from an outsider's perspective what's your opinion on the Eagles do you because a, a lot of people are downplaying the Eagles this year and we'll have them picking sort of third or fourth next year and they've you know but I as a fan I look at that roster I think it don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be but I'd be interested to get some outsider opinions on what you think the Eagles are like and what you'd expect this year yeah I, I think for me I think we've, we've talked about all these teams in in this division and I don't think there's one that massively stands out from the others um and I, and I would include Philadelphia in that conversation um you know I think at times last year you know even with sort of five or six games left in the season it was I think the bookies at the time had still got the Eagles as like the divisional favourites, you know. So let's not pretend that all of a sudden they're a million miles away. We've talked in other divisions, and we will talk in other divisions that, you know, teams that are adrift, if you like, in the in their respective divisions. I don't think that's the case with Philadelphia. To get anywhere, first and foremost, you need to win the division. So, you know, can they compete with the three teams that we've mentioned tonight? For me, absolutely. I don't see any reason why. They can't compete. If you look at the the depth chart, I mean, I like the receivers personally. Um, I think, like you say, Devonta Smith, will, you know, let's see what he does in an NFL jersey. We'll certainly like the pick, like the aggression. I thought Travis Fulgham was good last year. You know, he was a, a, you know, a bit of a, a, a diamond in the rough, so to speak, wasn't he? He came in when basically everybody else on the depth chart was injured and, and proved to be... Um, you know, fairly decent. You'll obviously be expecting more from Jalen Rake or this time around. Um, obviously, Dallas Goddard seems, you know, set to, to sort of take over the mantle definitely from Zach Ertz. Now, I know we joke about it, but, you know, he's been primed to do that for the last couple of years. And and Miles Sanders, he's, he's decent at the running back position. So I'd look at all of the skill positions and think, yeah, you know, there's, there's plenty of, of building blocks there. Um, I think defensively, Darius Slay, Stephen Nelson, good cornerback partnership. Um, we mentioned the strength on the line. Fletcher Cox, you know, keeps on going. Um, for me, I think the Eagles... I don't see any reason why the Eagles can't win the division. And, you know, I have seen other people 
dare I say it, there is one person in our um, season guide which we'll uh, plug shortly that I think has got them picking number one overall next year. Um, so I think they are a team that that really does sort of transcend opinion. But I would be more positive than I would be negative. Let's put it that way. I don't know what your view is, Josh. I think that the NFC East will be that division again where you won't be surprised with a surprise. So if there was any division for the Eagles to win, it would be the NFC East. And by luck would have it, they're in it. Um, I think that for a team that's on a downtrend and looking to get back, they're in a great position. You know, you're talking with two Browns fans. We know what rebuilding teams look like. This is one of the better ones um, where you can see real shoots of progress throughout it. You can see that realistically, if you add in four or five pieces, you're looking at the playoffs again, um, you know, without the whole, you know, get eight, nine wins and you win a division sort of thing. I'm talking proper double digits. You've earned it sort of way in because Washington did not earn it last time around. Um, you know, so I'm I'm not hot on them this year. Like I said, I've got them down as five wins. I know that Skybet's got them at six and a half wins um, as the over-under. And I think that that's probably well played. I think that you've got a terrible schedule uh, like most of the NFC East has which doesn't help. Um, enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. Root for individual players this year, I'd say. Um, enjoy the rebuild if you can. It was one of the it's one of the stupid things where you have to sort of take pride in the little things, I think. Um, and, hey, if you end up getting you over and you end up seven, eight wins, my God, celebrate it like flipping Mardi Gras. Yeah, and I, I I completely get that, and I think it's it's nice to hear some optimism because there's so much this season that's riding on Jalen Hurts, and the first game Philadelphia is away at Atlanta, and Atlanta you could argue are sort of in the middle of a of a downward trend themselves as well, so it's yeah, not exactly that's not the worst opening game to have, and if he can go out there and put out a good performance then Eagles start one and all and that's that's a massive amount of confidence as a, as a I keep calling him a rookie I know he's not but as a, as a sort of rookie quarterback going in that's a massive amount of confidence to take uh, home to San Francisco the following week and I think there's so much dependent on him if if guys like if Devonta Smith can hit the ground running and if some of the other receivers can can have better years and you know you've talked about the tight ends and who knows what's going to happen with the earth situation but you know if, if the line can stay healthy I think the offense can roll I think it's just it's let's see how that that defense and the secondary play because I'm although Slay and Nelson are a decent pairing, um, I really haven't had any decent quarterbacks uh, cornerbacks since the Super Bowl season. And let's not forget, Philadelphia is the most recent team in the NFC East to win a Super Bowl. You know they they won it only four years ago, so they've got still got players that were there in that experience. And I think the experience does matter; it really does. They know what it takes to win games in big moments, and there's still plenty of guys that were there on that roster. So, yeah, I think uh, certainly a lot of intriguing questions in Philadelphia this year. Yeah, we've talked about a fair number of the players, but let's wrap it up like we have done with all of the teams. Steve, give us a couple, um, you know, one to look out for from a positive perspective, and one that you are expecting some improved performances from. So, one to look out for. I'm going to go again, like you guys did with your knowledge of the Browns roster last week. I'm going to go with someone from my knowledge of the Eagles roster, and I'm going to go for a wide receiver, but probably not the one you're thinking of. I'm going to go for Quez Watkins. 
Um, he is having an exceptionally good camp. He was a sixth round pickup last year in the draft. Um, I think it was a bit of a, the Eagles had 10 picks and they took a couple of flyers on him and John Hightower. And he has got pace to burn. I think he did a 4.3740. So he is quick and he is, he is looking like he is going to be a deep threat. And if he can be a legitimate deep threat, Philadelphia haven't had one probably since Torrey Smith in the Super Bowl year. Um, and that, that opens up your offense so much. If you can have a legitimate deep threat who opens up and takes the lid off a defense, even if you don't go to that deep threat, that opens up your short lane passing, that opens up your tight ends and your and your slot receivers and gets them the ball more. Guys like Travis Fulgham and uh, Devonta Smith and even Rager as well and Greg Ward could certainly benefit from him. So I think I think Quez Watkins is certainly one to one to watch from what I've seen so far. Yeah, and I talked right at the start of the podcast, didn't I? I sort of joked about, oh, it's only pre-season and what have we learned? But I said, you know, these players get an opportunity to shine. Quez Watkins, um, one reception turned into a 79-yard touchdown. He was on a screen pass as well, which goes to show, like you say, you get these guys with pace to burn the ball and, and they'll they'll make the rest happen, won't they? So, yeah, you know, really impressive um, for him. Wouldn't have done himself any harm whatsoever. So let's look on the other side, mate. Let's look at uh, someone that you're expecting to see some improvements from. I think um, it, it, you could put this anywhere and you could say that there's, a, there's plenty of players in Philadelphia that need to have better seasons than they did last year. Um, um, if he starts, which I don't think he will, Andre Dillard absolutely has to have a better year. He was a first rounder in 2020 that the Eagles traded up to get. And he, sorry, 2019, and he just did not work. He was meant to be the heir apparent to... Um, Jason Peters, the legendary left tackle, um, and he just did not work. And and he um, looks out of his depth in the NFL. And although I think he's going to lose the job to Mylata, um, I think Andre Dillard. But if if I'm going for a potential someone that's starting, it, maybe it might be a surprise if I say Fletcher Cox. Um, the guy has got a massive cap here. And this is the thing, like non-Philadelphia fans, Fletcher Cox is a big household name and he makes the Pro Bowl most years. But compared to his salary cap number, to his production, he's on a bit of a downward trend and he's only getting older as well. I think he's 31 next year or this year. Um, and he's got, I think it's a $23 million cap number this year. And it's, I think it's going up next year because Philly's in such a cap hole because of the Wentz situation. They've had to just, you know, kick the can down the road with all these contracts. So whilst I'm not saying that Fletcher's a bad player, absolutely not. And, you know, he's a pro bowler and will pr- probably one day go to the Hall of Fame. It wouldn't surprise me. But he needs to improve in his in his numbers next year um, to justify the cap number, if that makes sense. Because mm. I know he's a, de- he's a defensive tackle, so I'm not expecting him to get as many sacks as the defensive ends like Graham and, and Barnett and, and Josh Schwett. But I think he needs to have more of an impact this year, especially when you've got a team that's full of youngsters and full of, of younger players that you're looking to make a difference. He's got to lead by example. And I'd look to Fletcher Cox perhaps to to have a bit more improvement and, and, and just justify that cap number. If you're going to be paid 20 plus million dollars as a non-quarterback, you have to be producing. You have to be. I do not disagree, and I'm kind of glad you said that, because I wrote some of the player spotlights for our season guide, and Fletcher Cox was the eagle I picked, and I finished it off by actually saying that um, 
questions surround Father Time and whether Cox is doing enough to maximise what he has left, and essentially said that the Eagles will either need to restructure him or move on from him at the end of the year because of his excessive cap hit. So there you go, ladies and gents. We do know what we're talking about here at the full 10 yards, and if you haven't got it yet, go and get yourself a full 10 yards NFL 2021 season guide available in digital format. Use the code YARDS once you've added it to your cart, and you will get it for the special price of £3.99. I believe there are a few of the physical copies left as well. We have had a few issues getting those from the printer, so apologies for that. We're trying to keep you posted on our Twitter feed in terms of they where are we now are. Dispatched. They are they now are dispatched now to dispatched. us. Which means that we should be getting them tomorrow. We should be getting them tomorrow, which is Tuesday, uh, depending on what day you're listening to this podcast. So Tuesday the 17th, they should be with us, and then we will get them out in the post as soon as we possibly can. So you'll certainly have them before the start of the NFL season. Thanks to everyone that has brought one. If you have brought one, give us some feedback, give us some reviews, tell your friends, make sure that everyone's getting a copy, because as we said last week, it's well worth 3 99 of anybody's NFL fandom. Um, so yeah, go and grab yourself a copy. Me and the boys will be back later on in the week to go through all this again from the AFC East perspective. But, fellas, it's been an absolute blast as it was last week. Let's finish off before we go with predictions on how the division will finish. This will be interesting because last week it was relatively um, sane across the board. But I think this week we could well see some differences. So, Josh, let's start with you. Washington, New York, Dallas, Philly was the order last year. What is the order this time around? Okay, so I've got Dallas winning the division at about 10 wins. Uh, Washington, I don't actually see an improvement. Seven wins outside the playoff bubble. Uh, Eagles at five. And then the Giants tickling the three and a half to four sort of range. I don't see them. uh, I see them on a downward trend this year. I must say, if the Giants finish bottom of that division with all the money that they spent, I will laugh until the start of next season, to be honest. Danny Dimes inflation, baby. (laughs) Go on then, Steve. What have you got? (sighs) You flip a coin for the winner of this division, I think. I think I would probably pick Washington because of their defence. You know, defence wins championships, that old adage. Um, And I think their defence will win them games. Um, And I think... Whilst I didn't, I talked about how much I don't rate Fitzpatrick. I think he'll do enough to get them to the playoffs, and I think that roster is good enough. You know, the addition of you know guys like Curtis Samuel, I think they've got enough on the offense to to at least win. I'd say maybe ten. I don't think it's going to be a you know a twelve or a thirteen blowout win season for any of, of either Washington or, or Dallas. But I think they've got enough to get maybe nine or ten. I think Dallas will come in second. I just don't have any faith in that in that defense. Um, and I don't rake Mike McCarthy as a head coach. So they might have a winning record, but um, I don't think they'll win the division. And they obviously the NFC is not as loaded as we discussed last week as the FC. And so they might sneak into the wild card position, but it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't. I think... I, 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 I dare not say that Philly will, be, Philly will finish against above New York because I know what will happen. We'll go 0-6 in the divisional games. But <laughs> I think I, I wouldn't surprise me if Philly and New York are there or thereabouts in sort of 5-12 five, five and 12 or 6-11 and 11 together. I think they'll be very, very similar records. And uh, do you know what? This division is going to be decided by the, the head-to-heads. I think a lot is going to go into, you know, if you're Washington and you can go five and one in the division and flip with Dallas, that's going to be massive for you for the for the uh, playoff picture. 
Yeah, completely agree. I think the divisional games will be key. And as I said, when we were talking about them, and in particular, when you asked me about Philly, I don't see an awful lot between any of these, if I'm being completely honest. I've got Washington winning it. I think they've improved in the areas they needed to from last year. So I don't see any reason why they wouldn't have enough, um, you know, to, to sort of capture the division again. I also think that defence, you've got to remember, there's a lot of young players on that line as well. They're only likely to improve, um, you know. So I think that the the Washington football team probably take the division. And then, to be honest, I think you could throw a blanket over the three of them. Um, I really do. I've actually written it down, and this is genuine, Philadelphia, Dallas, New York. So that's the order that I wrote the three down in. So we shall wait and see. I'm sure I'll get plenty of stick from the boss when the podcast does go to air, but there you go. Right then, fellas, like I say, it's been a blast. We'll be back to do this all again for the AFC very, very shortly. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Tell your friends, if they're not listening, what they're missing out on, and we will speak to you all again very, very soon on the NFL podcast. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to find us on all our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Head over to our website, full10yards.com, where you can find out more information about why we are hashtag for the game.